perfectionism is not too far from any of our hearts and certainly not even from mine. Anyone who's on Facebook or Instagram knows that we, just like everybody else, tend to present the perfect image of ourselves on these channels. But we want to ask the question, how does this affect our marriage? The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a perfect marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for which means we're going to tell you you cannot build a perfect marriage, Hmm. but you could co-create an amazing marriage with your spouse. This is episode number 148, and today we're going to be talking about perfectionism. Hey there, before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we discussed sex addiction, and it's worth going back and checking out. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. If you're struggling with your marriage, we offer sound research-based advice, and most of all, we offer hope. Okay, Verlinda, let's get into this topic of perfectionism. What is it? Is it helpful? How does it impact marriage? Okay. What is it? Well, perfectionism usually comes in one of three flavors. There's self-oriented perfectionism, which is requiring yourself to be perfect. Yeah. There's other-oriented perfectionism, which is requiring other people to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And there's socially prescribed perfectionism, which is the belief that others hold unrealistic expectations about me, requiring that they or meaning believing I believe that they require me to be perfect. So it's socially okay. prescribed. It comes from, I believe. It comes from outside. Well, it does, but the belief comes from inside, usually. Oh, okay. I think you can have more than one of these. Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. And you could actually be in a cultural environment too, like maybe a work environment or a school environment, even like kids in some schools or in certain cliques in their school. Like uh. There could be little subcultures where there is, it's not, it is a literal social prescription, like you have to be perfect. Right. Okay. But other times it can just be the perception of social prescription. Okay. What? Is that too nerdy? Oh, it's a little bit, but I... Oh, by the way, my nerdy podcast a few episodes ago. Yeah. I don't even want to know. Had a ton of downloads. Are you serious? Yeah. Like even more since the the last one? The neuroscience of dating one? Yeah. Yeah. They were probably just doing that to be nice to you because they felt sorry for you. Although that sex addict last one uh, last week, I think that set a new record. Okay. For one day. For the first day. Anyways. Yeah. So... Back to perfectionism. Back to perfectionism. We know your podcasts are perfect, so you, you can I have, go on. I have a problem with perfectionism. <laughs> I confess. There's another concept, though, that's good to know, which is perfectionistic self-presentation, which is the desire to be seen as perfect by others. So that's different from like your self-oriented perfectionism, which you require yourself to be perfect? Yeah. Yeah. Well, not. it's more, this is more about the per, the presentation. Okay. So you might be self-promoting, you might work hard to hide all your imperfections. You might be very reluctant to talk about your imperfections. Because you want other people to think you're perfect. Right. Okay. So I think though, for anyone who's listening today and for us, it's helpful to take a step back from the role that perfectionism plays in your marriage and ask what kind of perfectionism do we each struggle with? Because we want to just sort of lock into these things. We're going to talk about these three different areas. Okay. The self-oriented, the other-oriented, and the social prescribed. And so we want to try to understand, okay, which of these is probably touching me the most? 
Okay. And then whichever one is touching you is going to be impacting your marriage. It's going to be impacting your marriage. We're going to break down what these three things look like in a few moments here. But we want to ask the question first, is perfectionism a good thing? Because there's mixed, there are some mixed thoughts on this. So I think the bottom line, just to, to give it away, is is that it's not great. Oh, okay. Mm. I'll just be quiet then and do the listening today. Why? You oh, because I was thinking. Good? Well, in some ways. Like what ways? Because I think it pushes you to a higher standard. In what context? Like at school, right? Okay. Like I didn't want to get things wrong, so then I would study to make sure right. I got it right. Right. And I kind of thought you were going down that road because that was a big value in your family of origin. Yeah. And and as, let's go into this because we'll see that some people say, well, it helps you achieve more. Okay. And I don't think that's necessarily bad in that context. But when you think about it socially and then maritally, like relationally, yeah. then I think we can start definitely getting into some negative complications. Okay. Go for it. So when you have perfectionistic traits, it's mm-hmm. inevitable that you'd feel unsatisfied or stressed if you do not meet the standards set on you by your own self or by perceived others. Yes. Okay. Some may argue, as you just did, that it's useful or essential for a high achieving life, mm-hmm. student life, maybe. Well, others argue that it's unhelpful or it's detrimental to your well-being. So what was it like to not perform well at school? Or maybe you never experienced that. You slacked off in grade I 11. I slacked off in grade 11. Oh, yeah. And it was so irritating. Right. Some researchers have differentiated between adaptive and maladaptive perfectionism, meaning adaptive is like healthy. It's seen as a form of motivation, as a hardworking attitude. So it's linked to positive outcomes. Okay. And it's also when studied, it's correlated with higher achievement. So it works, mm-hmm. right? Okay. But these researchers also notice that neither perfectionism nor achievement are correlated with life satisfaction. Hmm. Interesting. However, both adaptive and maladaptive perfectionism, like healthy and unhealthy, are linked to highly negative outcomes such as anxiety, depression, and low self-esteem, as well as a variety of interpersonal problems, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Hmm. So even if perfectionism helps you to succeed, it comes at a steep cost. That's the part to consider, right? So the bottom line is it may help you achieve more, but it will cost you. And for me, I think perfectionism on a theological level, like a a Christian level, is contrary to the gospel. Those of us who are born again, we are valuable, fallible children of God. Mm -hmm. So our worth is something instilled in us and given to us by God. But we also acknowledge that we have this innate, undeniable potential to fail. Now, perfectionism is incapable of helping with either point, although it attempts to, if you think about it. It cannot provide worth because when is perfect ever perfect enough? Okay. On the human dynamic, yeah. right? Maybe on a test, 100 out of 100 is great. Yeah. But what happens when you get 98 on the next one? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You still have a phenomenal test score, but it's not good enough. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And not only that, but it, so it can't provide worth, but it also cannot preserve us from proving that we have a fallen nature, that we sin. We act in ways that are not congruent with our values or with God's values. We let our spouses down from time to time. Okay. So, so if we hold ourselves to that perfection value... It's unattainable, right? Yeah. It never meets it. So it can't yeah, help you, you with that. worth and it can't take you away from the, the knowledge that you're not perfect anyways. Huh. Okay. So it really doesn't help. Okay. And to me, like it just then becomes a breeding ground for shame. So when I'm like, when I look back over my life and all the projection or all the, um, all the, the times when I seen myself trying to do things perfectly, right? Yeah. And even putting standards on other people, like employees that were working for me or these different things, it's a mm-hmm. projection of my own shame. Huh. It's not coming from a place of health. Huh. Wow. So I don't think, bottom line, I don't, you'd be having a hard time to convince me that perfectionism is helpful. That's my, my two cents. Okay. Okay. As in what? 
You disagree? Well, okay, as in, I think I would need to think it about, about it a little more before I just agree with you. Okay, that's fine. So maybe I just don't want to admit that my perfectionism came out of a, like a place of shame or. Well, it doesn't necessarily mean that yours did. I mean, oh, you'd have okay. to figure that out yourself. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Right. All right. Moving on. Yeah. So let's look at though, how this touches marriage specifically. Okay. So when just kind of my overview is that perfectionism is more likely to help us get our ugly on than anything else. But let's break it down according to the, th the three kinds of perfectionism, looking specifically in marriage, okay? Self-oriented, other-oriented, and socially prescribed. Okay. So for self-oriented effects, the self-oriented effects of perfectionism, the fear of being seen as imperfect may prompt you as a spouse to hide parts of yourself from your spouse. Oh. Physically. Yeah. Yeah. Right? But I'm thinking mainly psychologically or relationally in our Okay. In the context of a marriage podcast, right? And then this really then actually becomes a fear of intimacy. You can't present a perfect version of yourself. So you now you must conceal or hold parts of yourself back. Huh. And so doing, you create a barrier towards getting to know each other more deeply. But more importantly, you also miss out on the opportunity of disarming the perfectionism. See, if your spouse is a safe person, it's a profound experience to let someone see parts of you that you are ashamed about and to have them still accept and love and embrace you. Hmm. Yes. Perfectionism will take you away from that opportunity. Huh. And so having your spouse see those parts of you and still accept love and embrace you. Yeah. That disarms the perfectionism. Right. Huh. Because it's saying that you're not perfect, but you're still lovable. Like you don't have to achieve that standard to get the right. results. Yeah. So in this context, then perfectionism is like an act of self-preservation that actually ends up decreasing huh. your intimacy. Huh. Okay. So the very means by which you try to preserve yourself, you're hurting yourself. Mm -hmm. That's tricky stuff. Yeah. Now this also touches your sex life, right? The belief that you have to be the perfect sexual partner is significantly related to marital distress and sexual dysfunction, particularly for men, but also for wives. That's a study from 99. Just because of the stress associated with it or? Yeah. Like I have to, you know, be the perfect sexual partner, right? Have to do everything just right. Like right. to create the perfect whatever. Okay. Scenario. And then experience. when it doesn't go wrong, then there's the shame. Or well, when it the reality doesn't go right. is you're human, right? And yeah. I don't know. Huh. Yeah. So then there's so much pressure, right? So when you have that much pressure to perform and it's on yourself, are you allowing yourself to fully enter into your spouse? Like get into the one flesh, like the mm -hmm. union, right? Mm -hmm. No, because you're still, you're distracted by yourself. Interesting. So this kind of perfectionism then can really hold you back from experiencing deeper intimacy em yeah. emotionally and sexually. Okay. And then there's other oriented. Uh, so just kind of looking at the problems with that, requiring other people to be perfect leads to a variety of unhelpful behaviors as well. It's just, in other words, it can make you nasty. So okay. this, these behaviors can include authoritarian, exploitative, and dominant actions towards other people, as well as increased likeliness of blaming other people for problems rather than blaming yourself. This is a study from 2003 looking at other oriented effects in marriage. Because you expect them to be perfect. Right. Okay. So if you don't buy into my perfectionism and don't collaborate with me on it, yeah. but I need you to be this, I'm going to find ways to make you this way. Oh, this, is, this where is where the dominant... The authoritarian, the exploitative, huh. exploitative, the dominant actions come in and blaming you hmm. too. Okay. That's not, a, that's not a happy looking marriage, right? No, no. So what you're likely to see here then is more conflict or more avoidance. And you're likely to see in terms of gender too, wives taking on more self-blame or are more likely to act in self-interest than for the benefit of the marriage. 
So now people are trying to protect themselves, who they are, what they have, rather than acting mm. in the favor of the, the union that's between them, right? Okay. In this context, husbands launch into conflict more readily. Why? Well, either he's the one perpetuating it. Okay. So he's trying to achieve it by use of his position of male okay. power. Or maybe he's on the victim side and he's just like, I he's can't take this. I forget it. Or... Yeah. Huh. Okay. Right. And this is going to impact your sex life too. So as a wife, if you have a high level of other-oriented perfectionism toward your husband, the research shows that the, the higher that level of perfectionism, the lower your husband's sexual satisfaction is likely to be, and also the lower your own sexual satisfaction. So you're making him work a lot harder. Because he needs to be the perfect. Right. Sex. And neither of you are doing better as a result. Huh. Which makes sense. Yeah. Don't you yeah. think? Yeah. So the issue here is that other-oriented perfectionism creates very, very high expectations, which makes it harder to adjust to being happily married. Okay, I can see that too. Makes sense. Yep. And the third one, socially prescribed perfectionism. And this is also linked to bad behavior. This kind of perfectionism is often linked to hostile and dominant behaviors, as well as higher levels of blame and outwardly directed anger. So similar features also linked to acting in an overly controlled way in an intimate relationship and not letting your guard down. So remember, this okay, so is... what is the socially prescribed? This is the perceived outside voices saying you have to be perfect. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you think that others have set the standard for you. Right. Okay. And as... Do you have a question? I'm just trying to think back of what you just said now. So why is it linked to the bad behavior? Oh, I see. Because you're under this pressure all the time, I would say. Okay. And so you're, again, oh. you're trying to make the marriage conform to this, which means you need to get your spouse on board too, right? And then that's where blame, the blame comes in. Really obviously it's not my fault. Yeah. Not that I've ever experienced. And then you're, <laughs> you're acting in an overly controlled way too. It's like there's this outside force moving on your marriage, oh. right? So we're trying to get everything perfect and do it right. Like this is like, work with me here. Okay. You see how that's going? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So as researchers studied 76 couples with regards to this kind of perfectionism, they found that it was strongly linked to lower marital satisfaction for yeah. both the person who perceived this and the spouse. So it reduced happiness for both spouses in the marriage. And not only that, but this kind of thing also leads to biases in how spouses, how your spouse's behavior is interpreted. So the perfectionist spouse may see simple requests like, could you help tidy the living room as a threat? Oh, You're not doing enough to tidy the house. Yeah, it's all your fault that the living room's messy. Right. Huh. And couples, both men and women, they showed more blaming, more sarcasm, more demands for change. Do you know what, Caleb? This is like a total, I think what the, the mummy wars kind of thing have created. Like you feel okay. like you have to have the perfect house. Right. And so then, you know, you've been just trying to keep up with the kids all day. Maybe your hubby right. comes home from work. And then it's like, when right. you say, can you help tidy the living room? Right. So the next, I like freak out. Well, listen, not me, but like I'm sure yeah, other wives. Yeah. Yeah. No, not you. No. <laughs> listen, listen to the next line that I had down here. We all tend to react with hostility when we feel perfectionistic standards are being imposed on us. Hmm. Makes sense, right? Yeah. And of course, in this area too, husbands and wives both experienced reduced sexual satisfaction when they thought their spouse required them to be perfect. Right. Because then it's all about concentrating on making sure you're doing everything right according to what you think they think is right. Yes. Oh, that's complicated, even thinking it. Well, this is the thing, is that those those beliefs are more impactful. The expression of those beliefs is more impactful than actually holding them. What? Well, the thought that these things are being imposed on you, that these yeah. realities exist, is, worse is than more impactful actually... than if you actually just held them yourself. Oh, okay, okay. You know what I mean? So if I think other people hold me to a perfectionism, 
It's worse than if I you just carry that in yourself. It's more to be impactful. Perfect myself. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's tricky. Yeah. So the bottom line is perfectionism is probably not helping your marriage at all. Okay, I'll let you I have that now. You let me have that now. <laughs> yeah, you've convinced me. And I didn't like. I didn't ask the researcher to filter this, and I didn't filter the research that I got. Okay. In terms of you know, I only want to see stuff that says perfection is bad. Right, right. No, there just wasn't anything coming through saying, you know what, this could really help you guys if you would be more perfect. Huh. Wow. So we want to help your marriage if you're listening today. So we created an exercise to go with today's episode that steps you through some specific tasks to uncover and challenge your own beliefs. So this is going to be hard work. Do you think? It could be. Yeah. Like like touching the little yeah. personal bits inside. Yeah. And this is for the perfectionist, right? Hmm. But if you're listening today and you're married to the perfectionist, the last page has instructions for how to gently and courageously confront your spouse and give them the opportunity to see why they might want to change. Wow. We're going to talk a little bit more about that after the break, but this is available okay. to patrons of our show and we'll just take a quick break to tell you more about that. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive, and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we were talking about how the different kinds of perfectionism impact marriage. So let's now talk about how to deal with imperfectionism. With imperfectionism. Sorry, with perfectionism. Okay. Here's how to deal with your wife's imperfectionism. (laughs) You could write a book. (laughs) I already did. What? Just kidding. You have no imperfectionism. Right, right. That's, That's better. Okay. If... If this is kind of touching those little delicate bits inside, is that how you put it before? Yeah, I was thinking that was like totally not very psychotherapy-ish. No, that's okay. But cognitive behavioral therapy, which I don't do, okay. but it's a great option and it's been shown to be highly effective for okay. perfectionism because so much of this is reframing faulty ways of thinking. Reframing? Or finding, correcting, confronting. Okay. That's the word. Confronting faulty thinking. Okay. And... The exercise for today's episode uses these principles. And the goal with this kind of work is to increase self-compassion and to change unhelpful beliefs. Okay. Because we end up just being really hard on ourselves and the way we're thinking about ourselves is not helpful. Right. Right. Yeah, I agree. So, but let's go through a few options here too. These are things that you can try at home. So the first thing I want to talk about is avoidance. One way that to challenge yourself is around avoidance. So believing that you have to do things perfectly can often cause you to avoid doing them altogether. Mm-hmm. Like housework. Okay. So you may carry the faulty belief that it's better not to try and complete a specific task than to try it and end up failing. Mm-hmm. So this pattern of behavior means that your beliefs about the negative consequences of being imperfect are never disproved. Whoa, say that again. The pattern of behavior, this pattern of behavior means that your beliefs about the negative consequences of being imperfect are never disproved. 
because you never try the things. you always avoid it. You always avoid it, right? So exposing yourself. Okay. Yeah. Exposing yourself then to situations where you perform imperfectly allows you to see that nothing bad comes of it. Hmm. Removing the belief that you have to be perfect. Right. Like if your husband folds the towels wrong, you can still put them away. Right. And everything goes okay. goes on. Yeah. Huh. So it's like, it's, that's what you're doing in your, in your mind is you're going, well, that went imperfectly and I'm still okay. Okay. Seeing that helps undermine the belief that I have to do it perfectly in order to be okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> doing a lot of okaying. Huh. And then also in marriage now, this comes back to communication and conflict. Okay. And this is, this is often how it becomes a struggle in marriage. So we'll, we'll spend most of our time on this. If you're perfectionistic, your challenge is that being in that frame of mind makes it really hard to hear how you're impacting yourself in your marriage. So I want to be gentle here because this is the person that's trying to do it all right. And I'm saying you're doing you're it doing all wrong. wrong. Right? <laughs> yeah. But the research does show that self-oriented perfectionism leads to depression because it creates conflict. It creates interpersonal problems. And both of those lead to isolation. So just kind of really carefully think through about like what this is costing you, right? And other oriented perfectionism is linked to low relationship quality for both the perfectionist and the non-perfectionist. And then we saw earlier how socially prescribed perfectionism just, it puts everybody sort of in the fishbowl and that's an issue too, right? Okay. So on the upside, you can not only choose to address the perfectionism, but you can also mitigate its effects by developing new communication and new conflict skills, which is great. This is not rocket science. Now it's we're not, just talking about some skills in some rut that you can't. No, this is not your unflexible personality that you're forever huh. doomed to carry. You made that sound really bad. Okay. Do I need to fix it? No, I think it's all good. Sure. So let's talk about this for the non-perfectionist spouse and then for the perfectionist spouse. Okay. So for the non-perfectionist spouse, first, conflict often arises when perfectionistic views or standards are imposed on you. So you're not... Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Like defensiveness? Yep. Learning to respond to this without resorting to conflict will improve relationship quality. So can you Hmm. find another way to respond that results in a better outcome for your marriage? That's the first strategy to try. Okay. And as part of this, just be aware of how you speak to your spouse. Make it clear that you love, you value your spouse, irrespective of how well they achieve, right? Because hmm. perfectionism is often caused by expectations placed on a person by family members or by friends. So it may not have been caused by you, but your own actions can now begin to contribute in marriage. So it could be that you're unwittingly or even innocently reinforcing the perfectionistic beliefs. Like it would be nice to have the living room tidy, right? Uh, in subtle ways. Okay. So, and then... Yeah, but then like... Well, go clean it up. Right. So then we have a nice, you know, relaxing evening. So is there another way we can find Ah, this? Okay. Like, and a lot of time perfectionists, and I am guilty of this, they won't see that they have a problem. They think that everyone else just fails to meet their standards. I hate to say that out loud. Mm -hmm. Isn't that terrible? Again, though, we're referring to some research from 2012. I'm just going to go back to a safe place and close some research. (laughs) You're feeling a little uncomfortable. So, yes, but you can help people like me be motivated to change by allowing them to see how their attitudes affect you. Okay. Like show them or tell them, you know, it's difficult when you're putting that perfectionism on me. Because I can't live up to that standard. Yeah. And then also is looking after your own self-esteem. So this is still a non-perfectionist spouse, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Understand that the constant criticism you receive from your spouse is not a reflection of you or on you. It's a problem with your spouse and how they see things. And this is Mm -hmm. kind of the differentiation piece, Mm -hmm. which says now, okay, this is your perfectionism, which is having a problem because I know that, you know, people don't need to feel okay or don't need to do this or whatever perfectly in order to feel okay. You can do it less than that and still feel okay. Okay. 
So you're separating their junk from your junk. Yep. Now, when socially prescribed perfectionism comes in, you can interpret, you can learn to interpret your spouse's requests and actions in a less absolute way. So it's learning to stop seeing them as unreasonable or demanding perfectionism. So you don't then become distressed or angered by them. So this is now just changing your perception of how you're seeing someone. Yeah. Do you have an example here or something? Um, this one's a little harder to understand for me. Okay. Let me continue and just see if it becomes clear. Okay. Learn to engage with your spouse more positively rather than avoiding them or arguing whenever you perceive them as demanding perfection of you. So, uh, an example. I just am not quite getting this. So socially prescribed. So the standards are coming. I'm perceiving that I have these standards put on me by the outside. Yeah. By someone, something else. So then so, I, I give you a request or I have demands that you meet these social yeah. standards. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. instead of me going to in my head thinking you are just like unreasonable, being unreasonable again. Yeah. Could I respond with compassion and just see, okay, she's struggling with that perfectionistic piece again. She's feeling a little bit insecure about something. I wonder what's going on. Uh, see, now I've gone sort of out of the, oh my goodness, she's unreasonable. Yes. I yes. am so done with this to... Being distressed or angry. Okay, she's struggling. Okay. I wonder how I can help her. How, how can I come alongside, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay, that makes sense now. And sometimes in these things too, Verlinda, I think you need to stand your ground. So like trying to play a game of give and take with a very critical perfectionist doesn't work because they want things 100% their way. They're not satisfied with anything else. So if you mm -hmm. come into conflict on issues that are important to you, then you may need to stand your ground and let them know that you aren't going to give in. If you can find a way to do that without being unpleasant, but it's just saying, you know what? this is a problem with your perfectionism, not a problem with me. So like I'm drawing a line right here gently and I care about you and I can see you're struggling with this, but this is not about me. Oh, that would be hard to take. It would be. Yeah. So trying to do that as gently as possible. And again, with that compassion piece, like are you, what's going on for you that this all of a sudden has become a huge issue? Are you, you're feeling some pressure to have like the perfect turkey dinner on for my in-laws coming or your in-laws coming mm -hmm. for, to, for Thanksgiving or whatever it might be, right? Okay, so, okay. And then, well, let's talk about the insecurity. How can I be right. a better support? And that's easier to embrace than these standards being right. thrown at you. Bingo. Okay. Bingo. Now, if you're the perfectionistic spouse, you're probably learning some ways to sort of go inside yourself too, from what we've been saying, and understand like those times when your perfectionism volume is turned way up too high, the knob is too far to the right. Yeah. Just kind of digging around in there and asking yourself why. Hmm. Yeah. So what's going on for me that this all of a sudden has become even more important than usual. Huh. But if you're, if you, when we carry this mindset, it's very easy to get to that place where you feel your spouse has fallen short of your expectations. Okay. When we're struggling. Because have these now, this is now expectations. The, yeah. This is now the perfectionist speaking, right? Okay. And so it's very easy that what we say could come across as criticism. Yes. And that's going to lead to conflict. Okay. All makes sense, right? Yes. So part of what we can train ourselves to do is to learn to accept your spouse falling short of those expectations, even to do with sex, because their belief that they're falling short of your expectations is going to be very bad for their self-esteem. Uh -huh. Now in the sexual context, it's going, be, it's going to hinder sexual enjoyment, ability for the marriage as a whole, like all these things. And Because they don't feel they can meet your standards. Yeah. Okay. And here's the thing is, I'm predicating this on the assumption that the perfectionism is the problem not your spouse's imperfections. Whoa, 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 whoa. What are you saying? So remember, we're talking to the perfectionistic spouse here. Yeah. So my, it's my perfectionism that's dysfunctional. Right. It's not your imperfections. Okay. 
better the problem. Okay. Is that okay? Right. I just thought you were going to say like, okay, you're predicating this on the fact that the perfectionism is the problem, but are there times when their imperfections are the problem? Like, were you going to go on with that or was that just a statement? No. Okay. No, I mean, I mean, sure. I mean, there, yeah. (laughs) What do you mean? This is not, I'm addressing perfectionism in this episode. Yes. Okay. So I would say that, you know, in other contexts, when your spouse is doing something that's bothering you, you can address that. I'm not saying you have to suck it up and accept everything your spouse does as a result, but when it's the perfectionism that's the issue, then the perfectionism, that's your coping mechanism, that's your dysfunction. Right. So what you need to do is to learn to love the spouse that you have in front of you, not the spouse that you're trying to get them to be. (gasps) Oh, yes. That's good. Okay, go ahead. Like that is so true though. Like that is what we're trying to do with our perfectionism is create the perfect. An ideal. Yeah. Not achievable. No. Never. Huh. And yet we put so much effort. Right. Into it. Right. And then we're never satisfied. Right. Huh. Wow. Okay. And, and so it's easy to focus on the disappointments then, right? Yeah. But when that's all you see, that's all you see. But when you do that, you're not enjoying all of the good things that your spouse brings to your marriage and you're robbing yourself of so much joy. And think about how this impacts your spouse too. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. you guys are missing out, right? Huh. There's a huge loss to this. Yeah. Perfectionism sure. thing. Hmm. All good? Yeah, I think so. So the perfectionists then, like they have to learn to accept their spouse and to love their spouse for who they are rather than put the demands on them. Mm-hmm. So like, what do you do though when like, yeah, you have this expectation or something they're doing is really bugging you. Well, again, you know, ask yourself, is that coming out of your perfectionism? Mm-hmm. Or is this, you're allowed to have something that you would like your spouse to do differently. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, could you stop farting at the supper table? You know what I mean? Right. So <laughs> what? Just such a great example. I don't know why that came to mind so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you're allowed to have that, right? Now, but is that, I think what you have to ask yourself, is this coming out, is this like another on the list of perfectionistic demands? Another item Where on that list? just never yeah. measure up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Or, you know, am I feeling kind of disrespected? Oh. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now, you know, it's just, it's harder to enjoy your company and be, you know, when it smells like. Okay. Thank you. A garbage dump at the table. Mm-hmm. Just a bad example. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that's different, right? You see what I'm saying? Okay, because like, that's not just the perfectionism. That's yeah. like, I'm feeling disrespected when you do this. Yeah. And maybe that worked in your family of origin or something. If that's, if like, why are you doing this? Where is it coming from? Like somehow that's okay for your spouse to do, but yeah. no, where, what do we like? Um, can we create something different in our marriage? Oh, right. yeah. Okay. On that note, shall we wrap it up? Yeah, I think so. So this is a little bit longer episode today, but we hope that as you're listening, you're able to move towards a more gracious, compassionate view of yourself and others. Those that struggle with this perfection mm-hmm. something, it can only, I think, bring more rest and joy to your experience of marriage and life. And as always, feel free to reach out if we can be of more help. Yeah. I just really enjoyed that. Like it was very interesting. Yeah. It was kind of a deeper one. Yeah. But moving on to lighter things. We'd like to thank those of you who became patrons between this recording and our previous one. Thank you, Diane and Bill. 
and all our faithful patrons each month. We appreciate you. Indeed. Oh, Caleb, we have an iTunes review. We do. We're not we do. appealing for these every episode now, so we don't get as many of them. But if you want to leave us one, we'd certainly love to hear from you. We would for the- our own like perfectionism. <laughs> <laughs> they better be five stars. No, it just encourages us to know that uh, we're helping others. That's yeah, what this does. Exactly. Otherwise, the internet doesn't have a huge feedback loop on it when you're doing this kind of work. So. No, it doesn't. But this one says, Best Marriage Podcast, five stars by J-Dog. Uh, Enjoyed J-Dog. 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 <laughs> I like that name. Yeah. Enjoyed the chemistry between the two and great advice for those in the many stages of marriage and getting married. Huh. So I don't know if you're married or getting married, J-Dog. Yeah. But thank you for but, the review. Yeah. And uh, actually, next week's podcast is kind of a stage of marriage and getting married almost at the same time. What? Sadly. Next week, we're talking about remarriage after bereavement. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that might not be as wide of a topic for a general audience, but very specific. A very interesting one, too. Is it really? Yeah, I think so. Not as long as today's. You make everything interesting. Oh, thanks, babe. But that's all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oif.link slash 148. Find out how you can help other marriages. Go to oif.support. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oif.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.